Hello and welcome to UX Consulting Academy. My name's JJ. This is UX Consulting Podcast, Episode 8 with Pete Hotchkiss. Pete, how are you doing? I'm very well. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. For everyone listening, Pete and I worked together at one point. And Pete, you have one of the most pragmatic modes of charismatic leadership if you want to call that you have this very good capacity to work with people in the ux team and product development on the front lines whilst maintaining that executive level influence it's really really cool to have you here really keen to find out more about how you do that you operate so well in that context so for people not familiar with your work perhaps you can start off by giving us an intro about what you do and where it all began yeah, a, a, a quick background, really, if you like. Um, you know, so um, I, my, my current role is I head up, um, I head up design um, and uh, front-end engineering at a company called Maritech, who are um, a subsidiary of uh, Clarkson's Group, who are ship brokers. So um, I, I work in a in an industry which is is fascinating, but five years ago I knew nothing about. Um, uh, my background is actually, uh, is I'm a former agency guy. So I spent best part of 15 years running a digital agency, um, got out of advertising five years ago, largely I was bored of it. Um, that's the short version. Um, so I'm, I, you know, my, my background is very much in kind of building creative teams, um, leading the development of, of, of digital products across, um, all sorts of, uh, formats and, uh, delivery channels and things like that. Um, um, and I, uh, have spent the last four years as part of a, a, a team really trying to grow and, and, and digitally transform a very old and archaic traditional industry. Um, and at the risk of being overly cliched, um, it's an industry which has the turning circle of an ocean going liner. Things move very, very slowly or change moves very, very slowly. So a big part of my work in the last four years has just been iteratively trying to kind of change habits and practices and, and approaches to, um, to business as much as anything. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a really interesting challenge because as you say, that, type of business more traditionally focused how do you how do you do that in a big company that has ways of doing things that might be less inclined to the iterative nature of ux and product development how do you sort of lead that yeah i i i I talk a lot at our place about um being very human centered in, in, in how we approach things. And I, I know that's kind of an overly used word in the, in the kind of product and UX design space, you know, human centered design. I mean, it, it feels very obvious, but actually what I, what, what, by that, what I mean is actually really realizing and understanding that particularly in the shipping industry, which is a, um, is centered around relationships and, um, you know, human communication and interaction is that if, if we're truly going to disrupt that space, then we have to realize that, you know, we are, we are looking to kind of train, change habitual behavior that has been going on for generations. You know, these are processes which have taken, you know, 200 years to refine. Um, and there's a level to which the, the individuals, the humans involved with it right now are going, like, what's wrong? Like, you know, actually, you know, this is working fine. Why, why, why do we need to, 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 to change that? So you, 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 you start by going to them um, and bringing them along with the journey. And 
there's the, the, there is a tendency in the in the tech space i think particularly in the startup space to very much look at the um or, or take the approach of we're here to disrupt we're going to change you know we've we've we know nothing about your industry but we're really smart because we can write some code and we can see that the practice that you're doing where you do a b c d e we think that's rubbish right we think you could jump from a to e super simply by putting this you know crypto based algorithm in the middle which just just does it all right um that may be that may well be right that that actually might be what things look like in 10 years time right but you're not going to rip the band-aid off and get people to come along on the journey with you and join you if you ask for too big a jump so um, you know, a huge part of my work is, is is relationships with the business and with the stakeholders and going to them and talking, talking to them and iteratively moving along the journey. All right. And kind of almost like giving them exactly what they want, first of all, and then bit by bit beginning to kind of try and change and, and move them forward and, 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 and take tiny steps. So hopefully five years down the line, we'll look back and go, oh, OK, we, we, you know, we, we, we've moved a long way. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it makes sense to sort of give them what they want, first of all, because otherwise they're not going to respond uh, to those changes that come in. Then, as you say, sort of bring them in slowly but surely and, and then see things happen over and, and, the long term. And sometimes that can be completely counterintuitive, right? You, you might yeah. actually think, oh, God, this isn't the best solution, right? Actually, but, you, you know, we, we, to convince them that what we have to bring to the table is of value, we need to we need to have their ear and we need to have their trust um and we need to be able to to kind of show them that we understand them and we understand their industry and the challenges and the pressures that they have um and you you, you do that by going to them and, and sitting alongside them and offering them little bits of value here and there right um and once you've got that trust you begin to kind of be able to talk with a little bit more authority if you like on the on the domain and the context other than just being these people that sit there with their crayons next to us and draw pretty pictures <laughs> um as we know and and and, and as you know it, I, I kind of jokingly uh refer to us within the business as the felt it fellowship um <laughs> yeah <laughs> largely because you know it's an awful lot of sitting there with bits and paper drawing with marker pens um you know and i you know I'm, I'm quite happy to kind of have that kind of you know that almost like that that self-deprecating label if you like um in in many ways because it, it it helps to kind of break down barriers you know yes we're very serious about the value that we can bring um but actually also it's like you know we don't think we're these kind of you know um uh, kind of vastly superior intellectual beings sitting in our ivory towers telling them what to do right we don't. We've got to go and understand the context. We've got to go and understand the uh, understand the domain and really get a thorough understanding of, um, of 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 where the value in these tools that we that we that we can develop for these people will actually bring to the to, to the business. And um, if you can identify that, then it becomes more about the value and less about the features. Um, and you know, I think you know, certainly historically, when I when I joined Clarkson's um they were very used to um just saying things like right i you know we want a big red button in the middle of the screen that does this and they were just given that right um historically because <laughs> that's what that's how we responded and i was like well okay fine um 
but what's the what is that what's that actually doing so trying to understand not just the fact that they like the idea of a red button in the middle of the screen but actually well what's that doing is that simplifying a process that takes a, a huge amount of time or is you know is that going to to um make a particular process smoother or remove a point of friction or, or you know or something like that um and then go away and rework on that and look at that and go okay right you ask for the red button in the middle of the screen it doesn't really fit with our brand for the product anymore our design system as it were here's an alternative solution which is gives you exactly what you wanted in terms of feature sets and what you wanted in terms of the functionality but mirrors how we're trying to kind of retain the consistency across the product that, that, that we're building um and sometimes you'll get an outright no still want the red button okay fine i'll give you the red button but you know what you will eventually get is some people who go oh, okay right i see what you're doing because because we've gone to them and because we've joined them and tried to understand and appreciate their challenges and their pressures they're more motivated to reflect our requirements and our motivations and what we're measured by which is trying to kind of create these suite of tools which are consistent and behave in a in a, in a kind of um uh in, in a consistent manner mm, absolutely yeah and that's a really interesting challenge to sort of lead lead the the team to that that desired solution where it's where it's the, the best fit but it might be different to what they expect and how you go through that process really really interesting um so how has the how has the department had to adapt to this current climate of things being remote of you know changes to the industry in that context i think we we, we touched on this just 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 before we kind of started recording but i think you know one of the biggest changes we've seen is 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 really across the business it's been it's been the acid test of of all this technology we've been building you know and this this is something i know i've seen reflected not just within the marine industry but in, in general, within the, the world of work is, you know, we spent 10 years advocating for these cool tools, and these cool technologies and these, these cool services, which you can subscribe to, which will, you know, make your workflow so much quicker or will, you know, reduce mistakes and, and, and all of these things. And um, this has been the acid test for can these things actually work? Right. You know, are, are these things really going to bring value to, 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 to what we do? Because suddenly, everyone's having to use them you know um and i think you know we've certainly seen scenarios where um the general sentiment among among the businesses that actually people feel more informed people feel more knowledgeable about what's going on across the business and within their own teams and desks and departments is because nobody's sat around a desk anymore the ability to have a one-to-one -one conversation with the person sat next to you or a quick five minute catch up around the coffee machine to to have a you know to, to distribute a piece of information um gossip for want of a better phrase um <laughs> actually through doing it through the kind of group chats on things like microsoft teams or our own kind of chat product that we have you know c chat um actually on mass people feel more informed people are more aware of exactly what's going on everywhere because they're not missing out on conversations you know those conversations are happening in happening in the in the town square and 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 the public forum where we all can see um so therefore everyone knows everything um and that's a good thing mm. you know 
um, and that's a you know that that's a kind of a big part of certainly for our CChat product. That's that that was one of the kind of tenets of what we were trying to kind of create was was this communication platform which you know was compliant with with with, with regulation and you know was auditable and, and and all of these all of these things and replace what people were doing through WhatsApp and Skype and stuff, but actually also doing it in a way which contextualized um, and made sure that the people who needed to be informed about this stuff was. Um, and it's, you know, we've, we've certainly seen that. Um, I think, you know, uh, you know, on, on a habitual level, I think we, we, we've certainly seen that, um, uh, you know, engineering teams and product teams are, um, are delivering more. Um, you know, if, if, if you, if, for those that may be kind of following an agile process and things like that, and, a, and a breaking their sprints and their stories down into, or their tasks down into story points, um, that metric of velocity is is shown a definite um, uptick in terms of what people are delivering. Um, I think there's a number of number of reasons why that's happening. One is people are physically spending more time working, so they're going to <laughs> deliver more. Um, sure. All sorts of reasons for that. You know, one is they're not commuting. You know, their commute is a 20 second walk from their from their kitchen to their to to, to their desk or their home office or their, wherever it is they're working. Um, and therefore, the hour-long commute forward and backwards is 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 adding two hours worth of productivity to the day. Um, I think there's there's very definitely a pattern of people just not just not just actually working more anyway, out of sheer boredom. You know, I think I think <laughs> right. for those that don't for those that don't have external uh, dependencies, you know, maybe they're not married or they don't have children or anything like that. You know, if they're if they're sat at home working, they're bored, right? There's only mm. so much Netflix mm. you can watch, right? So they're actually, you know, putting more hours in and working and working harder, and that's yeah. that's good. That's good for the business. But actually, then I also kind of put my my kind of my 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 caring management hat on and go like time out you need to look after yourself and just make sure you don't work too hard um because i think you know it like it's great if people are enthusiastic and they want they want they want they want to do extra work never going to knock that but actually but also you know like don't feel like that's a requirement and you know make sure that you take the time to to also not work as well and just rest and chill <laughs> out um but i think i think also as as, as well it's it's and it comes back to the communication thing it's it's forcing people to be much more um uh polished and practiced and refined in the way they're they're they're, they're kind of communicating and you know requirements are more thoroughly discussed and and, and and fleshed out and um the ability for design and engineers to um to communicate more regularly um and uh collaborate on stuff is is it happens because now it's all happening on cchat you know or teams or slack or whatever it is that people people, people are using um uh, you know so it, it's you know look, the general thing is a, a massive a massive kind of uptick in in in, in what people are 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 delivering um yeah as i said I lot, lot, lots, lots of reasons for it yeah yeah it makes sense i mean I, I know definitely for myself those morning hours especially from pretty much you know, 8 a.m. To, to, to the afternoon, I, I always feel as if those are, those are my most productive hours when it comes to just doing work. So mm. it makes sense that, that um, there would be an uptick if people have that space. And as you say, a 20-second commute beats a, a one-hour commute, right, from wherever it is that, that you're staying, if you have a home office or if you're just doing the work in your living room, wherever it is. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Um, for people that, 
yeah, sorry, carry on. No, go on, carry on. I was, I, I, the only thing I was just going to add there is I think there's, 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 there's some interesting dynamics in that which we, in ourselves, probably need to fix. Um, and I, you know, I certainly, you know, commutes a commute, but you know, um, as you know, I, 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 I drive into the office, or on the other case, you know, I, 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 I go in by tube, and you know, that time was always um, like it was mine. Right. You know, if I'm sat on the tube, I can sit and I can read. Right. If I'm if I'm driving in, I can listen to a, I can listen to a pod, podcast or phone a friend and, and, and catch up with them and, 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 and stuff like that. And that's lost. Right. And I, and I, and I think there are, um, there are there are there are definitely people who are doing less of that, because if the tendency is just to walk from the kitchen, and sit down and start work like the knowledge and the understanding you get um, and the well-being you get from just that time to yourself um is is lost and i think you know i i've certainly tried to replace that by you know go out for an early morning walk and listen to the podcast that way or you know something like that so so getting that that, that frame of mind in place but i think you know it, it does worry me slightly that there is potentially a trend that people are just working and just at home and there's that the, the, there is nothing in between you know in in, in in that sense so how we how we replace that time i don't know yeah no yes good point that there is something quite nice about that bit of time sort of in between places that you get when you do have a commute uh but yeah that walk in the morning i've also been doing that which is i'm really liking it just to be able to go for like Mm. a one hour walk in the morning because you have the time to do that and then just listen to a podcast listen to an audio book whatever it is uh that's such a nice thing to be able to do um yeah absolutely hey I i would love to hear more about your your background so you mentioned sort of earlier on that you started off with with this agency work that you were doing yep. where you had uh, advertising business it'd be great to hear about that and sort of you know where you started to get into ux and and that stuff yeah i mean look i think it, it, it interestingly uh you know the, the the type of work that we did never really afforded a huge amount of um time for the attention of of, of ux uh, for all sorts of reasons, largely down to you just had to get stuff done. You know, it was just it was the pressure was to do things very, very quickly, you know, high turnover of of projects, but ones that didn't really have a huge amount of kind of longevity. Um, and it was it, it was one of the reasons ultimately why I kind of um, I become disillusioned with the industry and, 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 and got out was because it was all it was all very ephemeral. It was all very like work on this madly for six weeks build this website or a mobile app or a game or something right and it lives for two weeks and it dies and it's forgotten right and it just you just like like it's it's all very it's all very temporary it was all very cookie cutter as well you know it's just like just you know variations on a theme um so we'd we'd, we'd build these things and you'd you'd watch people use them and you'd look at the the, the, the google analytics of behaviors of how people were clicking and interacting and you'd you never really be able to go back and refine and fix the problems. You just kind of had to market as a mental model. Oh, like people typically do this. Like people typically behave in this way or, you know, trends in behavior. You'd notice like, oh, okay, right. The next time we do a high score table, we're definitely going to include a language filter so people can't swear on it, you know. <laughs> and you use that the next time for the next project and you implement it in that way. Um, because nothing ever really iterated. You know, you were never really kind of evolving something. Um, 
so so ux was very much just like lessons learned make sure you don't make the same mistake the next time um and the the, the opposite is true now of, of these products that we're working on and it, it, it's what i wanted when i when i when i when i sold my agency and i and i took a bit of time out you know rested and tinkered around with a few projects and things when I was going back into the world of work, I was very much looking for something which was going to be like a five-year project. Do you know what I mean? Just, just like something to really kind of invest time into and make and make make a change over time and and realise that it wasn't just madly work on something for a couple of months, build it and leave it. It's 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 a product product which was going to evolve over time, and that's very much what the C platform is. Um, you know, it's this ever-growing and evolving suite of tools which are kind of in this constant state of flux and changing. Um, so we have the ability to iterate and measure and change over over time. And um, look, there's 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 a lot of learnings that I take from from the agency side of things to bring it to the business. You know building a creative team, you know, interfacing and, you know, design being the interface between business and engineering um, and product, you know, in, in terms of the kind of project management side of things as well, um, which I've tried kind of tried to reflect in, in, in how I've set things up within, within Clarkson's, you know, um, we're not an agency, you know, so we don't get to work on necessarily the, you know, the coolest, most creative stuff. And, um, you know, our brand and our design system is established. So it's not like we're, we're redefining what the pixels look like with every project. Um, you know, so in that sense, there's, there's not a huge amount of kind of UI design that goes into it in, in, in that sense. But um, that work still had to be done. You know, as you can, you know, you can attest to the, to the time you were with us, you know, you, you were, you were part of that 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 period where we were evolving that design system and kind of you know um uh, refining it to the point where it where it is now yeah definitely yeah that was a great uh great period of work i really enjoyed that um but uh, yeah it's interesting how how you talk about the the evolution of of the um of the app suite it's, it sounds really cool uh, so what would you say are the the biggest changes now compared to um the way that it was perhaps two or three years ago, you know, what have been the main changes to, to, to the app suite and, and how, in how it functions? Um, I think, uh, you know, as, as, as you know, the kind of the mantra of the, of, of the platform has always been trying to kind of bring together these, these um, almost kind of sandbox and very disparate products and tools that different areas of the business were using, but were very much, you know, no interconnection, no sharing of data across all of those. So the vision has always been this end-to-end -end platform, um, which, which are our customers who are you know, people who own ships or people who are, have cargoes that need to be moved around the world are able to, to come into and, 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 and kind of almost, um, pick and choose the particular products that they need for their particular area of the business. But that actually both kind of upstream and, and, and downstream of that whole business life cycle, um, we have an entire suite of tools that are able to interact where they need to do. And um, we are, we, we, we're a lot further down the line now than we were, you know, when, when you were with us with that in, in the sense that, you know, we are able to, you know, to track data all the way through the system, you know, from the point of a requirement coming in, you know, our, our customer who, you know, maybe who owns a mine in Northern Australia says, right, I've got this, 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 this pile of iron ore that I need to move to China. 
um, you know, we're able to, to, to move that all the way through the system of, um, you know, logging it in our, in our kind of, um, uh, our kind of cargo tracking modules, matching that to potential vessels, the negotiation of the, of, 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 of the deal and the, the, you know, the distribution of that information to the market, the generation of the legal contracts and the, the toing and froing over all of that, all the way through to the, um, uh, you know the, the, the kind of post fixture um, measurement performance analysis um, you know, market um, you know analysts kind of holistically looking back at the the performance of a particular market over time um, so it's we're able to track all of that through now whereas it has previously been either very disjointed or it would hit a brick wall you know it was kind of like right we've got this cargo and that's it we can't really do anything more with it it's just there in this spreadsheet um uh, and i think you know it, it's it's we are there now you know with that it, it is you know you're able to kind of track all this this stuff through end to end and certainly there's a there's a huge reduction in the business of people using excel spreadsheets to track all of this which is what they were doing before yeah absolutely yeah i remember that there was that um uh, I remember that requirement of there being so much data in in, uh, in spreadsheets and sort of moving that across to this more seamless integrated system was the yeah. uh, a big focus. And I think I mean that, that 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 plays in a little bit to what we were talking about before about about how you kind of communicate to a business who are more than happy with their existing workflows. You know, in 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 the sandbox of what they were doing. In, in that insulated little kind of um, you know team in which they were working, Excel spreadsheets were perfectly fine, right? It worked for them, right? There was there was nothing wrong with that, um, and you know you understand why there's resistance to change that because they're like, well, what's wrong? You know, this is working. We're making money. You know, the business has been has been making profits year on year. The share price kind of goes up. Dividends are being paid out. Like, what's broken? <laughs> you know. Um, <laughs> Whereas actually there's, 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 there's a bigger picture in play here, which is actually, it's like, it's, that stuff's great and it works within the, the refinement of your, of, of your tasks. But there's huge value in some of the data that you have in that Excel spreadsheet, right? Which is, um, would be of benefit to this department over here, you know, or this department over, over, over here. And distribution that information when it's buried in Excel spreadsheets is hard, right? So, we move them out of that, you know, and, you know, step one has been effectively, you know, largely recreating Excel spreadsheets in web apps, in the browser, um, which then effectively, you know, at a facade level, recreate exactly the experience they have with the spreadsheets, right? So from, from their perspective, they're not learning anything new. It's just their Excel spreadsheet exists within this browser app. Um, but underneath, there's an awful lot of transformation going on to that data, which allows us to repackage that in a valuable way for somebody else. Um, and that's the key thing is the value comes in at the, at the holistic business level rather than necessarily just the individuals. Um, and the narrative you have to, to, to give to the, to the individuals when you're talking to them is that, you know, without kind of, you know, making it sound like, you know, people above your pay grade have made this decision. Um, <laughs> it, it, it is about actually convincing them saying, look, you know, get that. We get that you understand, you know, you, that you, you're looking at this and going, why, why are we changing something that's not broken? But you can help your buddies over there out by doing it this way, right? Because actually, you know, some of the stuff that you have in your Excel spreadsheet is useful to them and will help them do their jobs, right? But in an Excel spreadsheet, we can't get it out and give it to them. 
right? So if you make this small step to doing it this way, then you're going to help them. And if that small step isn't even really that much of a massive change, and rather than opening up Excel, they open up Firefox or Google Chrome and log in. So you're the, you're, you're the first step towards gaining their trust and bringing them on that journey. Um, and it may well be that over time we need to change that Excel spreadsheet to something else or, you know, that, that spreadsheet kind of um, paradigm that they're used to interfacing with. We change that over time. Um, but what we can't do is give them this massive big change and say, right there, you got to use that because they just won't. Mm. And, they, and, they, and they don't. They just refuse to use it. They just carry on using their spreadsheets. Right. So give them their spreadsheets in the browser. They get entrenched and, um, and institutionalized, if you like, into using that and familiar with that. And then bit by bit, we can we can begin to move them on that journey. Um, ripping the Band-Aid off just never works. Yeah. Yeah. Very interesting. I suppose. It, and then once they're into the system and then they're used to that new kind of format, then, as you say, you can sort of slowly start to bring in other changes that might be of value and, and bring them in through that yeah. way. And then, and, then, and then the value payoff for their, um, you know, their colleagues in the other department flows back in terms of the performance of the business. You know, if they're mm. able to do their job, job easier and, you know, with less cost overhead or, you know, whatever it is, and that, that reflects in the bottom line, meaning there's more money in the budget, uh, more money in the, um, in the pot for bonuses at the end of the year. If the share price is going up, people's dividends are going up. You know, it, it is that, you know, uh, that realization that there's a, this is, this is going to take a period of time, but actually over a, you know, over five years, 10 years, um, uh, you know, people do see the benefit. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Really, really interesting. Um, are there things that when you look back over the last few years of working with Clarkson's to lead this UX driven product development work, are there things that you look back on and, and, if you could go back in time now and, and shift things around and do things differently, I'm just thinking for uh, products managers or people in that context yeah, that might yeah. be struggling. I mean, look, yeah, I think I think I, th I think very definitely. Um, I think you know you 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 always learn and you always have to tailor it to the individuals as well. And I think you know um, there are stakeholders in the business for whom. Um, we're at different points on that on on, the, on that journey between they've got complete and implicit trust in what we're saying um, because we've proven the value um, without necessarily having to prove the, the, the work. Um, and we have people who are still very kind of um, hesitant and mistrusting of what we of, of what we have to say. And, you know, it's just it's, you know, there's no there's no set period of time that you can necessarily give to that. Some people you get there very, very quickly and some people you will, um, you know, it, it, it takes longer and, you know, um, uh, you know, I know kind of, you know, kind of quite early on, we, 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 we tried to kind of involve stakeholders in, um, you know, kind of design thinking sessions and, and, and stuff like that, which depending on the exercise you were doing may have involved um, sticking uh, post-it notes, post notes up on the wall or, um, you know, kind of drawing on whiteboards and, 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 and stuff like that. Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> I remember at one point, you know, just, 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 just one stakeholder just kind of turning around and saying, um, 
like like if I see another fucking post-it note stuck up on the wall, I'm gonna I'm gonna scream. And it, and it's like, <laughs> you know, it's just because they didn't they 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 didn't understand what we were trying to achieve with 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 with, with that. And the, the the mistake was not explaining what we needed to do that exercise for, right? And rather than just going right, we're gonna do this exercise and we do this. It's like like you know we need to um uh you know we need to um uh you know get this piece of information from you and extract this piece of information from you and uh to help us do that we need you to run through this exercise with us right um and uh um i can't think of the words um and i just you know kind of almost framing it and explaining it in that way like right we're going to do this because this will help us do this you've got 40 years experience brokering and, and and trading on on on, on vessels um, we need to try and understand as much as we can of that in two hours, right? And this exercise is going to help us. So, so rather than just assuming that people will get it, you know, these, you know, you know, you know, um, dot voting exercises and stuff like that, you know, we as, as, as designers are, um, explaining the purpose of exercises to, to stakeholders and what, what we as a design team or as a product team need to get from that. Um, rather than just assuming that people will get them. You know, we've we, we, we've all read about these, you know, these exercises, say, you know, kind of dot voting or, you know, um, crazy eights or whatever they are. Right? We're well practicing them. We understand what we get. We get from them because we've had the training to, to do that. To so just assume that somebody who's not necessarily creative thinking or even design thinking or product thinking um, is going to get it immediately like we did is is presumptuous so it, it, it needs explaining to them as to why we're doing this and um i've generally found that once you do that people actually kind of get involved and are um uh are kind of are more motivated and actually kind of actually get get some value in thinking out of it so again it's it, it's that kind of going to them and bringing them a little bit along the uh, along the way rather than just kind of being kind of you know like a you know toddler having a tantrum like we're going to do it this way it's like okay you know give them a give give them a frame of reference as to why why something should be done that done that way um i think the 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 other thing which um i would have i would have done differently um is is get to um get to the point where there was there was a closer into integration between um the, the the designers and the and the individual product teams quicker um as you know as you, you test when you, you were with us you know i mean you know design at maritech is a cross-functional team so you know um designers are uh you know are, are kind of if you like given ownership of a of one or more of the products and they work alongside kind of myself and the the, the, the BAs and the the, the, the the product teams um on the the, the iteration and, and the design of features and, and stuff like that. And I think we were um we spent too long disconnected from those from those teams and not involved in their their daily churn of work, you know, being in stand-ups, being in the sprint meetings, being in the the refinement sessions, um, and close collaboration between design and engineering. So actually, you know. Well, well, you know, now I encourage the the, the 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 guys and girls of the team to, you know, when you've got concepts and ideas, like sit down with engineers, sit down with the PAs and talk things, talk through these things, collaborate. Um, we've started using a tool called Miro an awful lot, 
which is effectively it's a, it's a virtual white, whiteboard product. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of the people that listen to your podcast will be more than familiar with it because it's, it's kind of like, I would guess for the, for the product team space, I think it's the, it's the zoom of, 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 of product design and development for the, uh, for the COVID period. It's the, it's the, everyone I talk to, it's the default they've gone to. Um, and it, it replaces what we do if everyone was sat in a room with big sheets of paper and scribbling and drawing things out. You know, it's this, just everyone's in this on this one big huge kind of endless piece of paper and you can draw on stuff and you can you can refine stuff and um it it's it's healed that tension that used to exist between design and engineering which was when there was a handoff of designs um you know at the point of um you know sprint planning you know the the, the team would sit down um right these are the features we're working on in the next two weeks um very often that'd be the first time that the engineers had even seen the designs and seen the product. And that's the first opportunity they would have to begin to um, address any concerns. Um, and quite rightly, they were putting their hand up and going like, you're asking me to estimate this story and there's holes in it, you know, or we have questions about how this is going to be built, you know, and those questions might lead to actually going, oh, maybe we need to rethink this or go back and refine the designs or, or, or something like that. And it was it was a little bit too waterfall. It was just that kind of like designers and BAs would work on something, the business would sign off on it, and the engineers were just expected to deliver, right? Um, and that's not fair on them because they've got good ideas, they've got input, they're far more intimate with the, the mechanics and some of the technical restrictions around data schemas and stuff like that which which all impact on the design decisions that we should be making um so you know guys are much more integrated in the team now you know before the lockdown they were spending a couple of days of the week literally sat in with the teams so satellited into the teams and kind of sat with them still really important to be able to come back to the mothership and just um work with the rest of the designers and just check that everything's in alignment and you know and have those conversations that we used to have around around the table around just validating our ideas and our concepts and stuff it's you know you need that because design design can't be um completely fragmented and you know everyone kind of off doing their own thing because the trouble with that is what you then actually end up with is is what happened before i joined and what i was brought in to kind of try and solve which is they had five or six of these products and they all look completely different right because there'd be no consistency or no no conversation about kind of coherent design um so uh you know yeah to summarize i'd have i'd have i'd have got i looking back i'd have got to that quicker it's it's taken us probably two and a half to three years to get to to, to, to the point where that that integration is is now much tighter i think I, if i had my time again i'd do that earlier mm. yeah no makes a lot of sense um yeah i, I find that when you have uh, engineers sort of early in the process also when it comes to deciding on uh, the kind of flow that a user goes through quite often you know developers have really great ideas because they have this logical understanding of how the system works and mm. quite often they can just say oh how about doing it this way and that's and it's just a more logical way of doing it it's like, oh yeah that, that actually makes sense look it's super important to have both voices in those early conversations, right? Because, you know, designers will come at this with like, okay, well, here's this problem we, we need to solve. And, uh, you know, ultimately that's what they're there for, right? We're, we're, we're there to kind of go in and, 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 and come up with solutions for, for challenges and problems um, and to be the voice of the user and to, to look at this in a, in a way that ensures that we're maintaining consistency. Um, engineers come from an angle of they will, 
be very binary about how they approach things by default. And that's, that's, that's natural and it's how it should be, right? Is they're, they're solutionizing the engineering problem from the get-go. So, you know, a, a requirement comes in to uh, you know, add a feature which is capturing some, ad some additional pieces of data, right? So the engineer's default is going to be, okay, this is gonna impact the database here, right? So, you know, we're gonna have to change this schema and all our, uh, the control that we have for capturing that piece of information only actually accepts things in this format. So we're going to need to change this, this, this and this. Um, so from the get-go, they're thinking about how they're going to build it, right? How or, or the impact of changes on on how something's already been built. Um, and whereas designs will be a little bit more like oh, airy fairy, you know, a little, little bit kind of like you know, um, uh, creative with it all. And the the best solution is probably going to be somewhere in the middle, right? But actually encouraging that conversation with 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 parties. So you know. Um, a designer starts working on something and maybe they begin to mock up some new form of control, right? You know, some, some form of, um, I think that has kind of really elegant micro interactions and, you know, an autocomplete search on it, which, which populates with whatever it needs to populate with. Um, the engineer can, can look at that and go, okay, we can do that, but actually, do you know what, at this point in the process, we don't actually have that piece of data, right? For whatever reason right or if we bring that piece of information in it's going to risk maybe making the the performance of that control quite slow because it's going to take x amount of time to retrieve that data from that data source um, so we can do it but this it might mean that the control feels a bit laggy right um, and the designer and the engineer and the product owner are then able to have a conversation actually about what's the what's what's the best payoff for the solution right now you know do we want to accept this slight performance lag and do the additional work and effort to to get that data or do we go do you know what it's not that important it's not adding a huge amount of value right you know actually if we took this away would the user still be able to glean what they need to glean from interacting with this with this particular control um in which case maybe it doesn't need to go in might look pretty as hell right actually but if it doesn't need to be there if it's not really adding any value right well then doesn't it, it it doesn't need to go or at least the conversation can be had amongst all parties around what it needs to be um certainly before it goes in front of stakeholders and the business and the people who sign off on it because they get miffed when something pretty gets put in front of them Right. And it all looks lovely and they go, yeah, that's great. I'm really excited about that. And then actually when it gets delivered, it's completely different because, oh, we couldn't do that because actually we didn't have those graphics or, you know, we don't have a picture for that user or whatever, whatever it is. You know, um, it's, it's that conversation is super important. And I think, you know, four or five years ago, there was, and this is across the industry, there was, there was definitely a bit of a divide and there was definitely tension between design and engineering. Um, and I think the industry's worked to, um, uh, to, to try and correct that. And, you know, I don't mean just necessarily as a maritime, I mean just, just generally in the tech space, I think that, that tension was there. And it's, we've, we've worked to, to heal that divide. Um, it's perhaps been replaced by another one in, in the fact that kind of designers have moved away a little bit from product towards the engineers. Perhaps the product side of the business now feels a little bit like design and engineering gang up on them 
um, you know, I don't know. I think you know certainly that's that that's a, a slight sentiment that I get. I get the feeling of both with some of the things I see at Baratech, but actually also just in talking to other kind of design leaders across across the industry that there is a little there is a little bit of a kind of a divide there. Um, and certainly there's um, uh, there's a there's a chap called John Cutler who's a um, a very kind of vocal product manager product leader. Um, he works for a company, I think it's called Amplitude. They're kind of one of these um, kind of uh, metrics, kind of based, based, based companies for, for, for technology products. And he talks a lot about this. And, you know, he talks a lot about how there's, um, uh, you know, kind of mechanisms and, 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 and processes which, which, which product and design teams can use to uh, um, uh, kind of follow frameworks, if you like, which, which, prevent that kind of that clash of uh situations where you know sometimes product owners can uh suddenly turn up to a conversation with mock-ups you know wireframes that they've done in balsamic um you know fully fleshed out user flows um you know they've rewritten the user personas because they had a conversation with one person you know because um you know, I think particularly when everyone's um, the risk is particularly when everyone's kind of working in their own homes and they're not sat in a sat in a room with the same person. Is there's a tendency to disappear off and do something, work on something for two or three days, and come back with this packaged piece of work? And it's like, oh, where, you know, like where did that come from? You know, mm. it's like you know, BAs or product owners suddenly turning up with you know with 25 balsamic you know mockups, and you're like. <laughs> okay like like wh wh where's the where's this come from it's like and it and it absolutely isn't about their ideas not being valid and about them being um you know able to to do those things or even that they that they, they, they shouldn't be doing that it's not that it's more that it's just like if they've gone off and done those done those things in their silos it's there's there's been a breakdown in the conversation the relationship between them and their designer and i think that that's something which you know i'm kind of you know i'm certainly working to kind of you know make sure that um we nip those problems in, in 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 the bud and you know that's why tools like miro are so great you know um because it it, it does encourage that that collaboration and uh you know it's it, it's like sitting there in front of a big piece of paper and all drawing on the same thing and you know, what about this what about this and you know picking things up and moving things around and, and coming to a um a, a kind of uh a consensus together um and i don't mean designed by committee I, I i definitely don't mean that but what i what i mean is that that everyone who needs to have a voice has a voice in that conversation um and we reduce the the feeling that people have to, to kind of go off and do something um because the natural reaction then is you get designers who think well i'm just being asked to color stuff in Right, you know, the product owner comes back with a whole bunch of of of, of fully fleshed out, um, uh, you know, wireframes. The designer's like, "Well, what am I adding?" You know, like, so you want me to just make this look pretty? You know, it's um, it, it's it's it, it's it's a dangerous precedent to allow that to happen very much. And I think um, it's it's something which, to say, it's 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 when I talk to kind of other design leaders, it's it's a trend which is 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 cropping up in a in 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 a number of places all over actually to a certain degree so um in the same way we fix it with design and engineers we'll fix it with 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 the designers and the product owners mm. 
yeah, as you say, getting that balance right so that people can engage at the same time, not feel siloed and go off and produce work that might not be uh, the collaborative decision that, that, that may have been made previously or something like that. Yeah, look, and I think I, 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 I 100% understand the motivation behind the product owners to kind of do things because out of all three parts of that triangle, the product owners are the ones that probably have the most amount of time with the business, right? They're the ones who are spending the most time talking to the stakeholders and, and they're the ones who, um, to a certain extent, depending on the organization structure, are the ones whose neck is actually on the line, right? They're the ones who have to sit in front of the C-suite and justify the decisions and, and make the calls. And they're the ones who are being um, held accountable for the, um, uh, the metrics of, of, of delivery, you know, how many features have we delivered this, this, this quarter, you know, um, or, you know, how complex the features are, you know, are, are we, are we where we need to be on our roadmap, you know, um, for the end of the year, you know, if by the end of Q4 2020, the product needs to be here, we're at the end of the quarter, are we enough along that journey to be in a good place to move forward and make the next step, step forward. So, so the product owners are, are, are under that, are under that pressure and to a certain extent um, it's their job to shield the rest of the team from those pressures right you know that's 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 what they're there that they're, they're there and they're paid to do and they're, they're they're paid to to kind of um you know translate those requirements and those pressures into into the things that help drive the the, the, the team forward but it, it is super easy to kind of fall into the certainly from my observations i feel it's super easy for teams to fall into that um very simplistic way of measuring things um you know on 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 tangibles like um features right we've delivered five features this sprint excellent right but did those features actually deliver any value to the product really and i think you know t teams are motivated by adding value rather than delivering features you know if, if you're asked to do a piece of a piece of work and a feature which you don't understand why it's there you're like why is this there what are we doing this for it's like this makes no sense um you know just because maybe a hippo's asked for it right you know you're like it's like there's, there's little to no motivation to deliver well against that particular feature but if you're told what the value is or even indeed what the value requirement is right actually it's so, so rather than it being we need this feature this feature this feature it's like actually we need the product to add this value to the business overall um and i'm not talking financial values i'm talking about in terms of its ability to get something done you know a value being we want to be able to um uh reduce the rounds of iterations on a on a contract going backwards and forwards in physical form right you know and that's very that's a very big challenge that we're facing at Maritech is historically these the charter parties or these contracts would be shipped backwards and forwards physical bits of paper shipped backwards and forwards by fedex right like the value we can add to the business is coming up with a solution that reduces that right forget about what the features are like the value is can we reduce the amount of fedex use that, that we that we have as a business and set that as the goal for the for the team and and I don't know about you or I don't know about your, your, your listeners, but I'm, I'm certainly more motivated by, by being set challenges that bring value to find a way to, to deliver against that. than somebody just telling me, go and do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, you know? 100%. Um, yeah. And I, and that's, that's where really good product owners um, shine is because they're able to translate what the business is demanding in terms of features and 
you know, transform that into the language that the, the designers and the engineers un understand um, and, and, and motivate them to move forward. Um, and similarly, they have to do it the other way. You know, <laughs> the good product owners are able to translate everything that's going on within the, within the team, be their engineering challenges or, or problems or, or, or blockers and design challenges. They're able to transform those into a language that the business will understand. Um, and um, uh, you know whether they take those on board and, and appreciate those is another matter. But at least you're able to kind of um, you know, translate that into 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 a vernacular which they will be more familiar with. Absolutely, yeah. And as you say, it's far more compelling to be driven by the value the product creates rather than just oh, okay, these are the features we need. Go away and build them. That's you know nowhere near as compelling as it is to say okay, this is the value we're building. You know, how can we build this? Really, really interesting stuff. Um, it, it's, it absolutely has to be about that. And, you know, it, it's, you hear this terminology, it's, you know, feature factory, you know, talking about a lot of companies being feature factories. And um, uh, when that happens, you, the, 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 the kind of un, the unseen side effects, really, if you like, of that are, you know, um, poorly motivated teams. So you're going to get high turnover of staff you know, which means that you're spending a ton of money retraining new people as they come in, right? Because it's, you know, they have to become familiar with the domain. And you know, yeah, features are getting done. We're delivering features, the product's getting features, they're out the door, but actually they're not of the highest quality. And like the team has changed completely three times in the last 12 months. And you're like, well, okay, you know, any potential financial reward for having those features, features there are eaten up by the overhead of, um, constantly changing your team mm. yeah absolutely wow amazing stuff well i don't want to take up too much of your of your day Peter. this has been really really interesting a ton of value for the thank listeners. you it's good to good um, good good to catch up and, and and good to talk and um yeah likewise yeah i have just one final question before we uh before we call it u.s sure. consulting academy is um an online resource for u.s consultants product people people that want to do design yep. develop apps so my last question for you, Pete, for everyone listening who wants to build applications and yet develop in their capacity for executive level influence, what actions should they take? How can people do what you do so well, which is lead UX products, but also do that in a big company working with executives? It's, it's, it's all about relationships, right? You know, talk to these people, you know, it, it's, it's, it's really, really important. And be be adaptable in how you um, in how you work with them. You know, I think uh, you know it, it does sometimes uh, you know feel make me or leave me feeling a little bit schizophrenic at times because you're constantly kind of having to change your um, your sometimes your tone of voice or the language that you use or your approach and the way you, you, you deal with each individual within within the business or different stakeholders. But it's about it's about meeting them on their level and and, and, and the relationships and really being humble in the way we um, we engage and we talk to them. You know, we know we can bring value, right? And we know that we can improve um, things for them. But we it would be a brash of us as designers to just assume that that's a given and that um, they as individuals should accept the advice that we have to bring. We have to earn that trust and we have to earn that respect and we have to, and we do that through, through showing them that we can, we can go to them and meet them and understand and start by adding little bits of value. Um, 
it's the it's the key thing for me and i think it, it's you know i've asked I've, i get asked similar questions or get asked the same question if you like um in, in different ways and really it, it comes down to just listen and be humble and if you can do that um you'll uh you'll 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 go a long way you know you, you, you'll you'll form very solid relationships with people within the business amazing p is a real present my friend thank you it's a pleasure <laughs>